the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 that's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. Sophie, you just turned me off. I can't hear anything. Oh, I did? Let me see. Um, it was all adjusted. <laughs> it was all adjusted. It was already. Good to talk to you. Jacob is here with me in the studio. Uh, are we hearing Jacob at all? No, I don't hear anybody. I don't see anything. I'm not even on the air. Hey, John, come help hey, us. Hey, John. Uh, what can we do here, Sophie Dollar? We'll be right with you, folks. We are... All right. 
We are here. Thank you for joining us, folks. <laughs> we got the right buttons pushed now, and we are joining. Jacob is here in the studio with me. Hi, Hi Jacob. this is Jacob. Good to talk to you, friend. Am I on Good the see. air now? We are on the air. Thank no, you. No, not we. Am I? You are. Okay. You are. I am on the air. Excellent. Thanks for joining us, folks. As always, we begin and end and all through the program. Thank you for being a part, for joining with us. And we are going to continue our way tonight, thinking, talking, visiting, asking questions, learning. Uh, in particular, this past week in our Bible reading schedule, which we continue to follow, even though we're not on in the weekdays anymore, our weekday program, our Bible reading program, Monday through Friday, we have moved that to the Internet. And uh, I'm still waiting for this new website to pop up and be ready. We have all of the readings uploaded to the Internet, and they'll be available for you then to download them and hear them at your leisure. But we're following the same reading schedule. And this past week, we were scheduled to read Isaiah chapters 40 through 63. We're this great book, all of our readings this week, came from this second half, the second part, <laughs> or section of Isaiah 40. And I say that because uh, many scholars, both Jewish and Christian scholars, uh, divide the book of Isaiah, the first 39 chapters in one division where they talk mainly, mainly, not not exclusively, but mainly about judgment, about uh, consequences of sin, and uh, their calls for repentance and so on. Uh, in Isaiah chapters 1 through 39, Isaiah addresses how many different Seven different uh, people groups around, that surround Israel. Is it Jacob? I think uh, I think there's I that's seven correct. is the number. But uh, you can <coughs> see those if you read, look in your Bible. You'll see the headings there that are given. They're, of course, those headings are not part of the Bible, but they're there for our uh, study to help us uh, understand. You'll see Isaiah address, addressing these different countries and people groups surrounding the nation of Israel. And, of course, he also speaks to the people of Israel and Judah. and But there may basically messages of condemnation, of judgment, of call to repentance in chapters 1 through 39. And then chapter 40 begins with this theme of comfort. Comfort ye, comfort ye, and calling for... for and, and giving a message of hope, of restoration uh, uh, to the people of God. So... That begins at chapter 40 on through the rest of the book, I think, uh, through chapter 66. So we'll be talking about those chapters this evening. Uh, a couple of things I think are interesting, Jacob, about Isaiah. One I mentioned to you was that, it, if I remember correctly, it's on, it's the only book of the Bible this, that is found. Well, there, there are several others, actually. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny man, this guy. But the only book of the Bible found in its entirety in the Qumran documents, in the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. If I remember correctly, I don't think there's another book that was found in its entirety. Uh, do you recall? Uh, no, I think that? you're correct. In fact, I think the Isaiah Scroll is in the, what they call the... Uh, Museum of the Scroll under glass mm -hmm. in the museum in Israel. I'm really fascinated with that process, that uh, discovery. What was it, 1939, somewhere around there? Wasn't that about the date? Well, I don't know, something like that. Uh huh. A uh, little shepherd boy uh, throwing stones up into some caves there at the uh, base of of the uh, of the uh, mm, salts, uh, the Dead Sea. 
and uh, heard a shattering as if a clay pot or something breaking. So he a climbed up. Clay pot. Climbed up to look at it, and there they were, these uh, clay pots. And within, inside them were a number of documents, collections of documents, thought to be, I guess, uh, left by some communities. Uh, I forgot the – what's the name of that uh, Jewish community that were – they weren't zealots, but they were um, – Oh, no, 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 no. They were a different community. Uh, they lived apart. They went out. I can't remember the name right now. But anyway, you know, I know the group you're talking about. In fact, when the Romans attacked them, uh-huh. this is a piece of history that you might find interesting. And if you don't, you should. <laughs> anyway, but when the Romans attacked, they really believed this group you're talking about uh, felt that God was going to rescue them. So they did not fight. And so the Romans impaled each one of them. In a field. So they were all killed. That's why there's no Essenes left. Essenes. Essenes. That's Uh right. Well, I knew what you were talking about. We all knew. We just... I know. I was just giving you a chance to recognize it. Let me suffer. But the Romans actually impaled all of them because they thought God was going to save them. Well, uh, now when I say impaled, he did not put him in a they did not put him in a lunch bucket. They put him on a stake. No, I get it. I get it. Yeah, the Essenes. Yes. Well, that's that's the community that they think maybe uh, yes. we from whom we received these documents that were hidden and stored away in these caves. Uh, and and uh, Isaiah, this book that we are looking at, was the one book that in its entirety, which which is an interesting for a number of different reasons. But one thing is that to see. Uh, we got a chance to see, because I think this was preceded the, the earliest copies of the book of Isaiah that we had had before, was I think something like 1,300 years before that. And that this, again, this gave us a chance to look and see, have these documents been changed? You know, a lot of people say, well, you can't believe the Bible because it, it's just been changed so much every generation, all this sort of thing. And so they got a chance to look and see did the document change? And in, and in fact, and it is a matter of record, in fact, uh, they were not changed. Uh, there were only just a very tiny numbers of changes, and the uh, uh, the, the changes were mainly uh, changes of, of a word or two or a phrase that was spelled differently or said differently. And, uh, and uh, there were some changes, but they were very, very minor and nothing that would change at all the, the significance or the meaning of the the different texts. It's something that would tell us important about God or about ourselves, about the revelation that we have throughout the Scriptures. So um, very interesting book, the book of Isaiah. And you were telling me, Jacob, another thing that this this week is very unique in that our readings here on the Bible Live uh, program coincided and mirrored the readings of, from around the world with the Jewish readings. Uh, so, you know, explain that to me. Maybe yeah, I didn't well, say it and correctly. If I could take just a moment, and and let's uh, remember that movie, To Serve With Love? Yes, Sidney It had Portier. a great song. It says, who took me from crayons to, you know. Yeah. So let's, uh, let, we're going to go from. I, I, I recognize the words, but uh, the melody there was uh, a little bit different. Uh, than what I, <laughs> Well, uh, at least you got the spirit. Oh, yeah. uh, the point is, though, that this is how. The Jews read the Bible. And you're right. I think this is the first time that we've done the show, since I've been doing it with you, that the actual thing we're reading tonight is 
what the Jews did on this weekend, on the Shabbat, the Sabbath, mm-hmm. actually is simultaneously or read co- uh, concurrently. And I think it's the first time it's happened. Now, let me get, if I may, let me take 10 seconds and explain for the listeners who don't know this. The Jews, all Jews read the same portion around the world. And they, ha- they may start somewhere, uh, and they didn't add chapters and verses Tell about the 13th, 14th century, and they copied those from the Christians. It wasn't that there was theo- theological uh, assisting. It was that they had to do it to defend themselves in trials that the Christians would put them under. So they can't say, hey, go look at this section. They had to have say, look at verse 6-4 or something mm-hmm. like that. So they added them, but they still keep the names of the portions. Now, tonight's portion in Hebrew, just coincidentally, for the Jews would be uh, Hatana. And uh, don't worry about that. We're not going to say it again. That's a Hebrew word. But now, every time when you read the Torah, that's the first five books, it thematically lines up with something in the prophets. So tonight we're reading Isaiah 40, right? Yes. And so that would line up with a particular portion in the Torah. So every time the Jews read, they've got this whole thing organized. So in Australia, Korea, wherever, uh, Russia, they would read the same portion that every Jew is reading. And they would read the portion of the companion reading that comes from the uh, the books of Moses. And you you have to think of it like this. You're familiar with we pass laws in America, right? Yes. Statutes. Well... And then when somebody goes to trial, it makes a case law out of it. So we take the statute and we see a case law trial. So when you read the Torah portion, you're reading the statutes or the laws that took place. And then you're going to actually read from the prophets the matching portion that applies that portion of the Torah. And you're going to get a lesson in how it works. Now, sometimes uh, the portion that's read in the prophets will match up and think they did the law and things go well in that portion. Sometimes you read it and it didn't, they didn't follow the law and things does not go well in that case. So they law see the section. negative consequences of not following that yes. particular but it, part of the yes. law. Yes, and what, what I really love people to walk away with is that when you read the Torah, you also read a portion of the prophets that illustrates that particular section of the Torah. It's a little more complicated than that, isn't it? And my guess is that some of the portions from the prophets, for example, would would actually relate to maybe more than just one one part of the law. I mean, they would it would relate to several of the commands or several. Mm, no, no, I don't think so. Really, How about I, these that? these uh, these people were very good scholars, and they could read and understand the portion of the prophets. And when the prophets wrote them, I'm going to give you a perfect example. Uh, actually, Jesus, believe it or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. I was going to bring that up. You were? Well, go right ahead. Isn't that Isaiah? I, I, I'm wondering if you were going to mention No, this. I'm not going to go to Luke. Oh, I thought you were going to go to that reading of when Jesus yeah. read. The, that, that comes Wasn't in, that Isaiah 61 that he, he does, read? and I believe, if, if I'm familiar with it, that's Luke chapter 6, when he says, I came to bring good okay. news to the captain. Okay, okay, sure. But that's very clear reading. But actually, what happens is... So if we look at this portion in Isaiah, now I do want to tell you that this is presently seven weeks to the Jewish holiday of Rosh Hashanah. 
And so these seven Sabbaths are known as the seven Sabbaths of consolation. So they'll all be like uplifting and beneficial and when they stop doing the bad things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's fascinating is this. So if we read this tonight, starting at Isaiah 40, then we have to say to ourselves, what portion of the Torah does that line up with? And I just happen to have it written down. <laughs> it actually occurs. Thought you might. I just thought you might, yes. Uh-huh. So it actually occurs... Now, remember, I was explaining that they kept the names but and the ro- the paragraphs and verses were really created by, uh, you know, Protestants and even Catholics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, actually, this portion of Isaiah, chapter 40, which is the prophet, or when the Hebrew is Haftor, which means like the example or conclusion, shall we say, it lines up with the portion in Deuteronomy from chapter 3, verse 23, through 7-11. Now, so that's the portion that tonight's lesson comes from. So you're getting an example of what really happened. But we go back and we read that. And in that portion is the you call the second reading of the Ten Commandments. Would you say that again? Deuteronomy chapter what? Uh, 3, 23 uh-huh. through verse 7, 11. Right, the Deuteronomy, the 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 second law or the second giving of the law to the Deuteronomy the is the word generation. the Greeks named it. Yes, uh huh. Deuteronomy three. <laughs> I'm getting to it. I'm okay. trying to get find. That's it in uh, that's the fifth book in your Bible. So, so. Yeah, I got it. I got it. I really do. And so this is the uh, chapter, the victory of over Og of Bashan. Um, Moses forbidden to enter the land. Uh-huh. The division of the well, land. You've the obviously the got Jordan. those subsections there, right? Yes, I'm just reading yeah. some of the head. And, and my, I have a little grief with subsections mm-hmm. because when you read those, I have found uh, those don't those occur in the English Bible, of course. Right. But when I read those, even in the English Bible, it tends to set a framework that I tend to read the next verses in that it means that. Mm-hmm. And many times they're it's just not true. It's yeah. not correct. Yeah, I get it. I, I just kind of use them as a general idea. To, oh, what is that generally about? Uh-huh. And uh, Kind of helps me. Oh, I remember that text now. I have that passage. Wow. But this is um, they next we turn and headed for the land of Ashan, where King Og and sure. his entire army, yeah. which is a very important figure because uh, the Og ends up this particular people group, the Amorites, uh, tend to be a great enemy of Israel for centuries. It's not just a matter of this one king, but then later on we see him in the the Book of Esther. We see. Uh, indications and so on, even the, in extending into the New Testament. Isn't there something there about Well, let, 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 me, let me tie this in with something Jesus says, because okay. I know you'd love this. Are you ready? Isn't Herod something of a descendant of the Amorites or something? He, Herod is an Edomite. Edomite. There you go. Okay. And uh, But I will tell you this. And the Edomites had their own religion and own God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but in, let's see, I've got, I actually made note of this today. In Matthew twenty two thirty seven, got too many fingers in my That's Bible. That's over tonight, on yeah. the later portion of the okay, Bible. Okay, Matthew. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I'm just giving you a hard time because you said you Isaiah was. Hey, it's the only book in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but listen, all joking aside, really, honestly, folks, all joking aside, aside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so look at what it says in twenty two thirty seven. I'm going to lace this up for you and show you how this works. What twenty two? What book twenty two thirty seven? Uh, Matthew. Okay. Matthew twenty two thirty 
37. I'm, I'm there. I've got another. I've got four fingers to spare here. In, in my, I've got yeah. so many fingers in my yeah. Bible tonight. Okay, 2237. I got it. Okay. Well, what does that say? It said, Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God. This is that famous question, teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I notice he says the entire law and all the demands of the prophets. Would it be referring to those two sections that you're mentioning? Well, let's go back for a second. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's go back. Now, why would Jesus... Pick 2237, because I know you added a little bit, uh-huh. and that's okay. But he picked Deuteronomy 6 5, okay. is what he's quoting. Uh-huh. Now, I will tell you what you just read. It obviously comes down through the Greek, and it's technically, I'm not going to quibble about this. You're not. No. You but I, I do with the Greeks a But lot. I do think it's important for us to recognize what something. It says, uh, and I do not believe Jesus got it wrong. Uh-huh. But in De- Matthew twenty two thirty seven, it says, "You shall love the Lord with your heart, soul, and mind." M I N D D. Okay, that is not what it says in okay. six five, but it, it works okay. So you know we can get by with it. But I don't think Jesus got it wrong because six five says something different. And why don't you tell us what it says? Well, am I looking at the same Deuter- Deuteronomy six five? And it's you in must ten- commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. No. Oh, oh, that's six, uh, five. And you must love the Lord your God ah. with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Ah. Okay. Now, you see, the word, last word is different. Okay, sure. Probably the better word is resources, but that's uh-huh. okay. So in the New Testament, it says mind. I don't think that Jesus got it wrong. But let's say we can accept that one word change, and that's just fine. But he's quoting. I mean, the concept it seems very clear. You to love the Lord your God above all things with well, all we can, we with can, all of your being. Yeah, for our uh, for our purposes, we'll say the concept seems similar. Uh huh. Anyway, so but he's quoting six five. Mm-hmm. Now the question: Why would he quote six five? Out of all the things he could quote, he'd quote that. Now. That's tonight's portion in in Deuteronomy, and that is lined up with the portion of Isaiah that we're reading on the air tonight, and which is read by all the Jews this Sabbath. Yeah, it is interesting because you have the famous Ten, of course, the Big Ten Commandments, yeah. and you would think wow. that he would quote one of them. Yeah, it what that might be what the lawyer, the guy who asked the question. It seems to me that might have been what he had in mind. Which yeah. of the ten is the big one? You know, the most important. But Jesus goes and selects this, uh-huh. and I, um, actually today, if you if you scratch a Christian, you generally get John three sixteen. Mm-hmm. If you scratch a Jew today, you generally get Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy six five six four six four, which says, "Here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one." Aha! Uh-huh. Yes. Now that's the Shema, what you, right? Is the, the, the Shema, yeah, and that means here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Generally, that's what you get today, but 6-5 is really a part of that. But in that story with Jesus, and the one I want to stress is, that's tonight's Torah portion. And Isaiah portion that we're reading, the prophet that goes with this, mm-hmm. we know, as we sit here, when you read Isaiah 40, we know that that's going to line up with that portion of Deuteronomy. Okay? Okay, yeah. Now, 
So you guys, and, and that's been centuries. And I mean, that's not a matter of just recently. You have to no, look it up. It's, this is this is pretty old stuff. Yeah. Now, when Jesus quotes it, mm-hmm. he's referring to this section. So I think it's incumbent upon us to take a moment mm-hmm. and say, so we're reading Isaiah forty because this is going to tie into what you want to talk about with Luke in just mm-hmm. a moment. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna, you better put your seatbelt on for that okay, one, pal. I will. I will. Uh, but anyway, so. What this is talking about is we read Isaiah. Now, we know you are now in a Jewish synagogue. You have just talked about the prophet. Mm -hmm. But you know you always, always read the Torah portion that matches with the prophet before you read the prophet. So so we're looking at the prophet. So we know what portion of the Torah. And that's, and coincidentally, it's exactly the Sabbath. It's exactly what we're doing tonight. We're doing Isaiah. So we know if we're talking about Isaiah, we know we're talking about this portion. And Jesus in 2237 quotes it. So we need to understand what in the world is that guy talking about. And when we come back from this first break on the Bible Live here, you, I hope you'll stay with us. We'll talk about that. And I want to ask you as well, Jacob, about this passage that Jesus mentions um, in, well, this passage of, of Isaiah 61 that he reads in the synagogue, I'm curious about what is the matching Torah section up with that one. Is that a little tough? Okay. Well, we'll come back and uh, look at this and continue discussing a little bit the book of Isaiah, this great prophet of Israel, and this great book that we have uh, of revelation that God has given to us. I hope that you'll stay with us. This is the Bible Live. Our phone number is... Three four zero ninety five eighty five. It'd like if you'd like to join us. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers, and whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563, 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work and we had got our oil done before, it could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's 
Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. Hoping you'll join us. 340-9585 is the phone number. 340-9585. And talking a little bit, but we've been focusing on the book of Isaiah uh, last week and this week. We started uh, our particular specific readings this week, started with Isaiah chapter 40 through chapter 63, and didn't quite make it to the end of the book, 66 chapters. But uh, and and we've uh, begun tonight with some interesting background on this great prophet of Isaiah and uh, his uh, the times in which he lived. He he prophesied during the time of about four or five. He was yeah, alone. and then he took a break and went to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that, but anyway, a uh, long ministry, a long time of uh, of uh, preaching and proclaiming, and and, uh, and putting his bony finger in the face of the religious leaders and and, and uh, warning the surrounding nations of those nations around Israel. Actually, it was a bony finger in front of the long, long nose of Hezekiah. Of Hezekiah, yes. But, uh, but who's counting? Who's during counting? the time of Hezekiah, that's great. Well, Hezekiah was a great king too. I like. Was a great like king. Him. He could have been the Messiah. Was a Messiah, right? You're, you're, no, he could have been the could, Messiah. Really? Yes, but that's another story. We'll discuss it another time right. because that will get everybody's attention. <laughs> that would. Yeah, that I, got my attention. And I will right. lose the emphasis. What, All right, here we go. There, John? So, so Isaiah chapter 40 uh, through 63. Now, we were just uh-huh. talking about these matching readings that uh, since our reading this week kind of lined up with the Readings from the, yes, um, yeah. the the Jewish people read through the entire the Old Testament, and and by the way, are uh, those uh, there? There are millions of Jewish men and women who uh, have. This is a hard thing to discuss, but I have a, I, a distinct view on it. Uh, they haven't converted to Christianity. That that's totally wrong. Uh, we we are the ones as Gentiles who have converted to Judaism. That's that's what really. Has happened, but there are millions of um, um, Jewish men and women who also recognize and and in their hearts and minds believe that wow, Jesus, in fact, that rabbi from Jerusalem in the first century here, uh, that he indeed was that long-awaited, promised Messiah with a capital M, the 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 one who would come and and carry out uh, the redemptive plan of God, which involved. Uh, one who would come and, and pay the penalty of our sin, uh, as, as we've come to understand from uh, uh, even as Gentile believers. That's what it attracted most of us was the idea that Jesus came as God's uh, son. He became a man. He 
fulfilled perfectly the law, he carried, lived a life of perfect faith, trust, obedience to the Father, then he who knew no sin became sin for us. And uh, we understand the, uh, the substitutionary atonement and we've been forgiven by his stripes. We are healed, as Isaiah says in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, so we have this Redeemer, this Savior. Uh, and um, so why, where was I going? I got carried away. I don't I know. So, but I was, get so enthusiastic about that particular view. But oh, what I was going to uh, say is there, there are many, many millions of Jewish men and women through the centuries and even now that recognize and believe as well that Jesus was, in fact, that Redeemer, that Savior, that Messiah. And, uh, and what we call, I guess they're called Messianic, uh, Messianic Jewish uh, believers that um, frankly I, I've just come to finally after examining this and thinking about it for years and years that that we frankly we're just all bought into the Jewish revelation uh, Jehovah the God of the scriptures with the scriptures themselves the prophets the Torah the laws and commands of God and the Messiah I don't know how much more Jewish I could be actually as an Apache Indian well we're, we're uh, going to so. hold the ritual circumcision right after the show <laughs> that that might be the one tiny little part that uh, well that, uh, wait, what'd you say I'm lacking oh. <laughs> Hush up, Jacob. You're going to get us all in trouble here. We're going to get some spin <laughs> right off the air. Uh, anyway, we <laughs> we are we're talking about the Book of Isaiah. You can join with us tonight. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Was there something more you wanted to add? Uh, I was going to ask you about this portion sixty one, and you're kind of warning me a little bit that it might be a little more complicated than than I I perceive or well, okay. anticipate. Well, I kind of want to finish our thought. That, yeah, you go because ahead. Because I know you want to talk about Isaiah 61, but I don't think we're going to grab a hold of that unless we understand this. Okay. So always understand that the Torah is always, always, always read first. Uh-huh. Then the prophet, the, what's called the Haftorah, the conclusion, is read, and that's really a case example of the law that's, lines up with. So if you were in a Jewish synagogue and you were familiar with what portion of the prophets you're reading, you would know what portion, if you were attuned to it, what portion of Deuteronomy it was lining, or what portion of the first five books it lines up with. You with me? Yes, I am. Okay, great. Now, that's important for when this thing about Isaiah 61 comes up. But right now, Jesus quotes this thing about what's the most important thing, and he says, 6-4 says, listen, Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, correct? Right. 6-4. 6-5 is the one he zones in on, and he says, hey, you shall love the Lord with your uh, heart, soul, and in the New Testament it says mind. Or so, strength is the well, word. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and so he picks that. Now, the question is, out of all the things, why would he pick that? And and since we're doing Isaiah 40 tonight, and that prophet portion lines up with this portion of where that line that Jesus quotes comes from, mm-hmm. perhaps we can unravel why Jesus felt that was the most important one. Would you maybe, like? Maybe because it is the important one. Uh-huh. Most important. One. I, I don't know. Was it ever spelled out anywhere as the most important one? No, the Torah is very careful to not do that. Well, um, why would this guy ask him that question? I wonder. Cause trying he, to trap. Because he's not a good Jew. I don't know. Ah. Um, anyway. Would he be trying to trap him? Well, he's always trying to trap. Because you're saying that. Except, I'm going to suggest you're saying that y'all kind of avoided that question, right? Or no, I didn't, never. I don't think so. I could play the tape back. I don't think I said that. 
Oh. Um, <laughs> okay, let's play. But um, the uh, here's my point: is you see what many people read as trapping Jesus. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Oh boy, hold on, Soapy, hold on. You're, no, you're, I think I know what's coming, and I'm all right with okay. this. Okay, so you understand that the question that is, was supposed to happen, right? Messiah is supposed to be questioned. He's yeah, supposed to be. That's right. That's right. You see, in the Jewish world, the Messiah knows the Bible, the Torah especially, better than everybody. He can answer all the questions. So if you can't formulate, shall we call them hard or even trick questions that he can unravel, then he's not the Messiah. Now, for those people that would say, but the miracles. Now, the Jewish understanding is Messiah can do miracles. Or he cannot do miracles. That's his choice. Well, it was told that he would do miracles, that healing in his hands. And uh-huh. but, well, but, that's but, actually, but. I know, but if you want to go down that bunny trail, we can. Oh, no, no, no go ahead. But let's, uh, let's stay on your bunny trail. Okay, well, well I, hope it's, uh, I hope it's not that bad. But at any rate, uh, the, um, my point is, is that if maybe we can understand why he said that, and I would like to suggest this, because... It's a slap at uh, polytheism. And what was going on in the Roman culture and the Greek culture that was imposing in Israel at that time, because the Greeks, the Romans really, had taken over the temples. And they were trying to impose a a syncretism, Mm -hmm. an amalgamation, an idea of blending gods and Roman religion. Both the Greeks and the Romans were polytheists. So they were blending it in. So this is really a slap at monotheism po- no polytheism oh i see yeah so now why would he say love and because that comes that's part of the shema and the six four it says listen israel the lord is a god the lord is one and then he says and you shall love this lord now why would he pick that and this is what i'm going to suggest from an ancient jewish teacher it's because if i let's say i'm a a mechanic, a farmer. I have a farm out here by Sibilo, uh, uh, mm-hmm. and I need rain. If I'm a polytheist, I go to the god that gives rain, and I say, "Hey, you're the rain god. I need God. I need rain." Now, am I loving that god? No, no, no. What I'm doing is I'm going to him because he's the one I should fear because he controls the rain, and I'm not thinking about him. I'm thinking about me. What I need. What I need. Or want. Or want. Anything else? No? Uh, <laughs> the, uh, so, but my point is, and the difference is, he says, 6-4 says, it's, God is one. And if we look around to everything, God created everything in advance. So we're not asking him just for what we need. We're asking, we're saying, we shall love him because he gave us this world. He gave us everything. For who he is, not just for what we can exactly. get from him. And it works like this. If I say I love somebody and I do not respect them, then I am more concerned about my desires and my goals, and I don't love them. If I, if I love them, then I accept and respect them. If I do not, then I'm not really loving them. I'm What I'm doing is I'm watching out for my goals, my desires. In fact, 
that works not only with God, and that's why Jesus, I believe, said you shall love the God. What God? The one that came just in the previous verse about God is one. So you have to love him because he gave us all this. And so it is a sense of emotion, but it's a sense of understanding. So really, the Greeks did not so much get it wrong when they said, love God with all your mind. It's a recognition Mm -hmm. that God created all this. Mm -hmm. I don't go to just God when I need something. Mm -hmm. He created all this. And it's so fascinating that this portion that tonight is where Jesus selects that verse from. Hmm. Because if I love this one God, and there's only one God in Jewish thought and Hopefully, Christian mm-hmm, thought. Mm-hmm, yes. Um, then what you've got is I'm loving him for everything. And I'm not just going to him for my own selfish needs. In fact, I'll tell you what the Jews do. When a bad thing happens, they still praise God. And that's a very difficult and very hard well, thing. We're, we're admonished in the New Testament. Sure. In all things, give thanks. There in all go. things, honor See, him and glorify him. It's exactly that same yeah. verse. Mm-hmm. So what's going on is <clears throat> if I do not respect who he is, and I only go to him when I'm in need or fear, then I believe in polytheism. I do not believe in the single God. That's why 6.4 says, you shall love the Lord, or, I'm sorry. Hero is, the Lord is, a, he is one God. The, the great and Shema. And then it says, is, yeah, that the, the famous sure, Shema from sure. the Jewish And the faith. rest of it completes, and you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mm. and That's a beautiful resources. thought. It really is. So what's happening is, if I only go when I'm needing something, I'm tending to th- treat him from the, I think, Jesus' thought, and, in a sense, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in polytheism. Hmm. Now, if I'm a farmer and I say, I need rain. Can I have rain? I'm not loving God. I'm saying, do this for me. So I'm loving God for what I need or what my desire is, not mm-hmm. for loving God. Mm-hmm. Does this make any sense at It all? makes a beautiful sense to me. It does. And I have, well, that's because you're a very things. smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> smart aleck, maybe. No, no. But uh, for one, that doesn't mean we can't ask the Lord for rain, right? You can ask for rain. All right. And but not in the sense that only that that's the only we value yes, we give to God. The only time we come is when we want something. The only importance we have is when we want something. Right. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's one of the problems. You will avoid that. And if you ever wonder why, as I've always understood, why falsehood is one of the Ten Commandments. You just not do falsehood false or lies yeah. or false witness. It's this. I'm going to say this as best I can express it. If... I tell lies, and you find out I'm telling lies. You no longer it destroys my faith. And if I lie about God, if I'm a false prophet, and I find out that it, I'm telling a lie, the harm with lies is it destroys faith. And that's what we must watch out for. And that's what, that's the real danger of these so-called false prophets. Sure. They come around and they say, this is it. And God's been talking to me. And he says this and da, da, da. And then you find out it's not true. Now, if I can take it, may I take a tangent? A tangent, yes. That's a, another rabbit, right? A, a second little rabbit that's going to run. It's a t- little tiny cute thing. Cute little rabbit. Uh, but I think, because we all know, and I, I hate to say this, but we all know. It's a fact. The Christians are having a great difficulty hanging on to the youth. I have my own personal thoughts on this, and I think it's because of what we're talking about right now. Hmm. It's because if I'm told something, because we all want our preachers, our teachers, to know stuff. They want uh, to give good answers. Mm-hmm. 
if I do not know, and yet I kind of make it up just to give an answer, and I'm a young person, then I go away to school, and I run into people that do know more, know something, and I learn. And have answers. Yeah. And have answers. They tell me something, I realize you are not telling me the truth. And therefore, even I though their answer may not be the true answer, the truth. No, at no, least no. They have I'm, an I'm going to tell you something. You know, here's the problem: is that many times it could be wrong, as you're suggesting, but many times it's correct. Mm-hmm. And the person that was telling them something is really has made an error. And the problem is, they may not have intended it, but it was a falsehood. And when a person discovers falsehood, I know that I can no longer rely on you. You have destroyed my faith. Mm, mm-hmm. now that, Boy, that is heavy. That really is. Because there's a, I, I don't know where it is. It doesn't come to my mind right this moment. But I think it is Paul or maybe uh, James or Peter. One of those, let, let not many of you be teachers. There's this warning about teaching, about taking the position of telling, giving answers to people. And how very careful we have to be when we have uh, that calling on our lives or that opportunity. It's very important. And, I, uh, of course, because of our work out at Lackland, Lackland uh, thousands of young men in Lackland Air Force with the basic trainees there, uh, boy, they ask questions. They care. They want to know. And it is really tough at times. I had a young man ask me a question today. That now, as you're speaking, it made me think. Oh, I hope I answered him well. Um, you know, it, right, of course, we pray every Sunday morning before we start our classes. Our our team of teachers for the morning gather, and we say, Lord, please just give us wisdom and give us your word and bring it to our hearts and minds when when the questions are asked. It's very important that, uh, and I think you're right. Uh, a lot of our, our losing of young people is that we're not we're not giving American Christianity is is a little bit. Something's wrong. We're, we're, I don't know. We've caught up in the religiosity, or just in the uh, the ritualistic aspects, or the religious aspects, and and we're not giving the practical, good, clear, practical, true answers that that people need from the scriptures, and and gaining their and, and keeping their confidence, their trust. It's, it's. I I agree with you, Jacob. There's. Uh, probably an admonition for all of us. It's well, a challenge it for every generation. And I've often found it interesting that in the section that he, Jesus quotes, mm-hmm. he's quoting a section from tonight's Torah portion that would line up with Isaiah 40. Now, remember what I said. The Torah is always read first. Then we have a case law example, shall we say, that goes to the prophet. And that's tonight, Isaiah 40, etc. And it relates to Deuteronomy chapter Yes, those chapters I said, and that's where it occurs. Would, do you still have your Bible? I do. It's right here. Good. What would you would you be kind enough to read what it says in Deuteronomy seven 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 eight? And this is, gonna, I think, interesting. Chapter seven, verses seven and eight. Yes. Uh huh. Chapter seven, verses seven and eight from the book of Deuteronomy, and there's chapter. When you know chapter seven, verse seven starts on the next page. The Lord did not set his heart on you. He's talking to Israel here, right? He is. Okay. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you are more numerous than other nations. This is Moses now talking to the people of Israel. For you were the smallest, in fact, of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you. And he is keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. 
That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Is that 7-8? Okay. And what's a... it's very, do you see what it says? It says, it's because God loved you. That's the emphasis. It's God not loves you, and he is honoring the oath, uh-huh. uh, his promises that he had sworn to your ancestors. Uh-huh. So, but it's about love. So, God loved. So, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, God in the Old Testament was a crusty old so-and-so, but he's a real sweetheart yeah. in the New Testament. In the New Testament. Well, the truth is, it's, God, it says God loved him. Mm-hmm. So, what is, when, when in the New Testament, when Jesus is saying this thing about, you shall love the Lord your God. See, God loved them, and he knew that they were going to screw up. And sometimes they may not do everything correctly, and sometimes they may have to go after idols. But you know what? That was all part of the deal. You can't strip it out. He said, I love you, Israel. And, of course, whoever's in Israel is part of Israel. Listen to the rest of that. Oh, yes, sir. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. But he does not hesitate as well to punish and destroy those who reject him. Therefore, you must obey all these commands, decrees, and regulations I am giving you today. I mean, the dos aspects, uh, I went to my Spanish there all of a sudden. Two aspects of God's character. I remember talking about this this morning as well in our classes. Uh, God's love and in God's righteousness and his justice seem to be competing, almost opposing attributes of God, and they need to be reconciled. They need to be like two parallel lines they never meet. You know, I asked I ask the students, well, if God loves us so much, what is the problem? Why aren't most people experiencing God's love? And, and the, if God loves us so much, why aren't we experiencing the joy, the, the release, the freedom, the delight, the thrill that comes from knowing God's love and experiencing his plan for our lives. And most people don't seem to be having that, having that experience. And then we introduce the theme of God's holiness and righteousness and, and our sin that separates us from God and keeps us from experiencing him, his love and his plan for our lives. And then, of course, we talk about the atonement and what God has done to reconcile us to himself. Uh, it's, I mean, it seems to be, it's all there, whether Old or New Testament, the concepts are continually well, there. Uh, okay, now bearing that in mind, uh-huh. I want to say this in the interest because you wanted to talk about Isaiah 61, uh-huh. and, and that comes from, if my memory serves, I've not got it. Here is Luke chapter, is it Luke 6? Yeah, it's when Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth. Uh-huh. They invite him to read the Torah or do the reading for that uh, for that right. Sabbath. Yeah, and, and remember, that's also in tonight's portion, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Isaiah 61 is part of what we're reading. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and in that moment, and you've given us some understanding of this, he only reads the prophets section, ah, Isaiah. Uh-huh. He doesn't read the Torah, well, read, read, the companion read, Torah read, read piece. She looks six, I believe. Uh, I could be wrong. You probably know that better than I do. Well, no, I don't know, Jacob. You're getting to be... A great scholar on both testaments, to tell you the truth. Uh, he's in he's in Nazareth. One, let me see. No, that's not it. Uh, come he's on, not, he's not in Nazareth? Uh, did you say Luke 6? I think it's Luke 6. 
Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's, uh, let me see. No, I guess you're not, maybe you're not right. Okay, uh, I could be wrong. But uh, I, let me just tell the the story is he's in his hometown, and they invite him to read the portion uh, for that Sabbath, and he reads only the, the Isaiah section, 61, uh, which talks about... Um, um uh gosh uh, the the lord has called me to bring salvation or to free the prisoners and so on and he doesn't read the companion torah section and you've explained that that the romans had outlawed the reading of the torah at that time at that now, time when i first read this uh-huh I said, wait a minute, something's wrong here. He's not reading the Torah section. The Torah's not there. And well, I, it's always read first, I believe, right? It all, not that you believe. It is. It is a fact. Uh-huh. So it's nice you believe it, but it is a fact. Uh, but <laughs> well, here's you, the point. You said it, so I'm... So, it's, um, the point is, when I first read that, I had to say to myself, now look, either he didn't read it, or the writer chose to leave it out, or something just happened that he didn't read it. Well, exploration of Roman law was this. At that time, because of certain things that were going on, the Romans allowed to have the Jews have the prophets to read, uh-huh. but not the Torah. So what's actually, I came to the conclusion of what's there is actually correct. That he read only that section because that was the law? Yes. Had he era. read it, he would have got everybody in that place killed. And, and so the but the Jews know this so well that when he read that section automatically the minds that clicked over to the right. to the section yes. from the law right so well I don't see it here right now in 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 uh, maybe we'll find it during the break but anyway that's the section he read from Isaiah sixty one uh, it come uh, you know it's all this second that God has called me to free the the prisoner and so on. Um, Okay, here it is. When he came to the village of Nazareth, is that uh, chapter 4, four. Uh, he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he, verse 16. Okay. He went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. He went, as usual. I think that's interesting that it was his practice. Uh, he was a, a, a practicing, observant Jew. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the screw and the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Well, remember that section you while ago said that he did some miracles. He healed some people. And it was predicted that Messiah would heal. He would have healing. In his, and it says here, the blind will see, the lame will walk. He rolled up the scroll. He handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked on him intently. Then he began to speak. He began to speak. The scripture you just heard has been filled, fulfilled this very day. <laughs> Boy, did that cause a little bit of an upheaval that Sunday morning or that Sabbath morning. Now, the Romans would not know what portion of the Torah lined up with, but the Jews, if they knew, I assume they knew, knew what portion it lines up with, which is shocking. We'll come back and see what portion of Scripture that uh, Isaiah 61 lined up with, that portion that Jesus read in the synagogue that, that Sabbath morning in, in Nazareth. Don't go away. I hope you'll give us a call, 
9585. We'll be right back. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. All my devotion. It kind of goes along with that theme that we've read tonight, Jacob. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your uh, soul, all of your strength. And I was going to ask you, and I don't mean to kind of get off or embarrass you or anything at this. Yeah. But uh, although I never do hesitate to do that when I get a chance, you know. But I would ask you. I'm not telling you how much money I got in the bank. No, I was going to ask you maybe even a harder question. Would you say you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength? I would say yes, but I have to put a a parenthetical statement that I try to do it because uh, love is an action. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Right. And if you look, well, that's closely, why it's coupled with the concept of obedience, love and obey. Well, yeah. if you look at Deuteronomy chapter six, uh-huh. you'll see it says six four is uh, the Lord is our God, six five is love, and after that, it gives a very specific set of teachings, and it says you shall teach these to your children when mm-hmm. they ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, you shall teach them when you sit in your home and you walk on the road, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, why? Because who's the most vulnerable at forgetting God Mm -hmm. is your children. And you have to teach these. If I'm a great preacher, but I'm not preaching what it says there, then I will inevitably mislead the children. And then when they find it out, they'll lose their faith. Something like what you said before. Yeah. Yeah. I've long time asked myself, and I'm I'm sorry, kind of point that at you and, and ask you, but you've answered very well. Uh, I don't know why somehow in my in my early life, in my early years in ministry, early years as a believer, I uh, had I I would read that section about love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength. And and I it was almost theoretical to me. It was like I knew that was the goal. I knew what I knew that was the objective uh, in the back of my mind. But I didn't point that kind of point that at myself. Like, but I say in the last. I don't know, five to ten years, maybe as I've gotten older, I have wondered. It's kind of like, uh, do you remember Fiddler on the Roof where Tevi uh, asked his wife, Golda, he says, do you love me? <laughs> and she says, for 25 years I've darned your socks and washed your clothes and did this and do that. And you asked me, if I, yeah, do you love me? You know, And, and uh, I think in the end she says, she does. He says, well, it does something, maybe it doesn't change anything, but it's good to know or something like that. Well, so, I've kind of begun to ask myself that question. Is kind of yeah. from time to time, Soapy, do you love God? Do you? Is it just, or is it just a matter of you know you're in the ministry? This is the way you make your living, and you go, you know, you're doing the things. Uh, have you lost your first love? Maybe that's a, uh, a New Testament sort of a look at it. But ask myself that tough question, and, and uh, I kind of like you. I would say, yeah, boy, I do. I think after a lifetime of walking with the Lord and serving Him, uh, that. There is, you do build up 
a residue of uh, not only obedience, and I agree with you that love is not a feeling. It is, uh, and even Jesus in the New Testament talks about, if you love me, keep my commandments. And yes, he goes he says, he says that. very clearly. Uh, he always puts loving God as we express that love by obeying him, by trusting him and obeying him. But uh, I have asked, and I, I'd say, yeah, increasingly I'm able to answer, yeah, I do love you, God. I just, you've been so faithful. You've been so good. You've been so kind. You, you know, that. The, after, I think that is something that builds up as we well, Let me ask you a question. Have you got a dog? <laughs> no. Why? No. No, I don't. But we've had pets okay. before. And when you had it and it was a puppy, mm-hmm. if it peed and pooped on the floor, did you still love your dog? <laughs> as you as you scooted him outside, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I, I know, I, I, know so, the, yeah. I know the humor part, but yeah. I'm saying yeah, you, know, yeah, you yeah. love your you love your puppy. Uh, even though it does something and it doesn't please you. Do you know why? Because it's not about you. It's about the puppy. And that's what this is about. When you love God, you love him because he's one. And he says, look, these are your commandments. Teach them to your children Uh because they will forget. And if you change them, that's why in Deuteronomy it comes up shortly and says, do not add to, do not take away. Yeah, they have that constant I know, warning. But, yeah, and I, I hate to say Let's this. Let's go but, uh, yeah. take a listener. You want to talk to Gilbert? Yeah, sure. I think Gilbert is there on the phone waiting to talk with us. Gilbert, thank you for hanging on. We appreciate it. Yes. So glad to hear your voice tonight. And sorry we delayed in getting word into this is a rich topic tonight from the book of Isaiah. And uh, it's just kind of very interesting with the way it ties together, even with the New Testament passage as well. But what's on your mind? What what did you What came to your thoughts? as we were uh, talking about this passage. Well, Uh-oh. We're breaking up a little bit, uh, Gilbert. You're, it may be your cell phone, or it might even be a problem on our end. But uh, go ahead and speak directly into your phone, let's see, into your, uh, phone, and let's see if we can hear what you have to say. No, we're not able to hear him. I don't know what the problem might be. We're not able to hear you, Jay, uh, Gilbert. I'm really sorry about that. Well, you know, I'm talking about deeds versus creed. It's not what Gilbert, I Gilbert, call us back again. We'll try to get a different line. Try to call us back again. We'll try to get a different line and see if we can and connect we'll get with you, you right better. on. Okay. Hey, listen, you know, it's creed versus deed. It's not what I believe. It's what I do. And in the spirit of do, you know what? It's it's not Gilbert's phone. John and I were communicating while you were doing that. We're getting feedback when you're talking. So the truth is, you call these people tomorrow at the radio station say we don't <laughs> want to pay for tonight. That's a deed. That's a doing. All right. We'll get it set straight. Uh, uh, Jacob is really good at being my, my conscience here <laughs> on the radio show. Okay, Hopefully we're a, uh, going to – he's calling back, so maybe we'll get a better connection and get to hear what's on Gilbert's mind tonight. Uh, we've got about 20 minutes left in the program. If, if you've tried to call and didn't get on, please go ahead and give us another call, 340-9585. We want to talk with you and kind of see what you've been thinking about this passage okay, from the book of Isaiah. Let's try it again. Gilbert, are you there? Yeah. 
good. We're still getting that, that noise, aren't we, uh, for some reason? Well, I don't we're know getting what it uh, when Steppy, when you hit the button. John, I'm going to get the I am so sorry, Gilbert. Well, your signal is not as clear it, that we can understand it, and uh, we'll have to talk to our folks here uh, at the station as well. You tried, though, brother. You did not fail from lack of trying. That is the truth. Uh, Gilbert tried to call in and get a call in th- through to us. Uh, Harold had called before. We were not, unable to connect there as well. If Maybe you'd like to try back, Harold, and see if we can pick up a line for you or uh, others have called as well. Richard uh, was on the phone earlier. We were not able to get in, bring your phone up either. So let's see if we can get... Um, Get these to working. Give us a call if you'd like, 340-9585, and we'll try to connect with you and see if we can get some um, some uh, of our listeners' voices coming out over the air here. Uh, anything else that we want to discuss there from this well, particular it's passage? Just, it's just say? fascinating that if um, he Jesus was reading the Torah, like I said, I had my choices, somebody left it out, thought it wasn't important, or they're emphasizing just the prophet, but the Roman law was very clear that the Jews could not read it. They could, and it's fascinating that the Romans said you could have the prophets, but not the Torah. Yeah, so, I, but I the Jews. Know. So everybody in that room, everybody in that room, this Jewish should know. Well, he's referring to this portion of the Torah, but the Romans would be sitting back, fat, dumb, and happy, not knowing what portion it refers to, and what <laughs> portion it refers to. Boy, are you ready, Soapy? Yeah, we're going to. It go has to, to do with. How to conduct war against your enemies and get them out of oh, Israel. Oh, no, you're kidding. Yes, and how to get them out of Israel. All right. What portion was that in? Uh, well, actually, uh, at that time, it lined up. Uh, there has been some changes because of a certain facts. But uh, even the Catholic Church imposed certain things at, at a period in history. But um, there's one verse that the Catholic Church actually banned the Jews from actually talking about because of the way it can be translated. Uh-huh. And... Uh, but so it's talking about how do you do a war, especially getting people out of the Holy Land. That's fascinating. So the Jews would be sitting back, oh, I know what he's saying. These guys are not good guys. We need to get them out of he's here. He's talking treason. He's talking yeah. what? Are sure. You? Yeah. And so what's? And, but the Romans. What, what portion was it? Do you? Uh, yes, sure. It would be. Uh, I believe it takes in eighteen, nineteen of Deuteronomy, which is how to conduct a war. Chapters eighteen and nineteen. Uh, uh-huh. And and what's fascinating is at that time that's correct. And so what's fascinating is, you know, we're talk when you talk about Jesus, that he he was quoting, the portions because it is there in Deuteronomy, and there are certain rules that you must do to conduct a war. One of them is you always declare peace and ask them to leave before you attack. That's why even today Israel drop leaflets, makes phone calls. Uh, interesting they warn uh, the, the non the combatants. The non-combatants so if they can leave, leave, they can get out of the way. Yeah. And this last war, the skirmish they had in Palestine, if, uh, the place they call Palestine, um, they actually made phone calls. They dropped leaflets. Hey, you in that building? You better get out yes. because in about now, ten minutes. Now, what's fascinating is the the Hamas, the Hezbollah. I guess that'd be Hamas down there, but they would not let the women and children leave. And I'm thinking, what kind of monsters are these? Yeah, that that's would, how yeah. I know that the Islamic God 
And the God of the Jews and Christians cannot be the same God because the laws are not the same. The fruit of the tree tells you yeah. it's the same God. By their fruits you shall know them. Yeah. Uh, Deuteronomy 18 and 19 are those yeah. portions that talk about War. giving warning, letting yeah. the non-combatants. And I, and I understand that that's historically was even like in the Battle of uh, Jericho. In Jericho, they, there was they a, would build a, a road, road that was made right. where people, non-combatants could leave the... And, and if you want to leave on that road, you stayed on the road, no fighting, no harm. If you left the road, obviously you're wanting to fight. If you stayed, you want to fight. And I want to stress, one of the mis- sad misunderstandings is this rules but only applied to seven different nations in the land of Israel only. This did not uh, go to any other laws, no other nations. It was only about them in the land of Israel. I'm, I'm curious, as we talked about this, could, I, I just mentioned the, the Battle of Jericho, and it, it suddenly it dawned upon me as I was talking about this always giving a way out for non-combatants, that's one thing that was said to Rahab as well, is that if you and your yes. family or anyone that yes. is with you in that room, you would not be harmed. That is correct, yes. Uh, and that, that's, I mean, that in and of itself is kind of a... Israel is the only nation I'm aware of that they actually have a day of prayer for the death of their enemies after war. And not that they're not their enemies. Uh-huh. They are their enemies. As Jesus said, you shall love your enemies. Love and recognizing their enemy are two seven things. They are your enemy. But you have to recognize that these people that died, even though they're your enemy, they were still made in God's image, and they were still human beings. And many of them, I've been watching a lot of, um, oh, lately I've been doing a lot of good uh television not we've gotten this series called the truth series from focus on the family that is incredibly good about uh uh, laying a solid philosophical uh intellectual foundation for our faith in god uh but also i've been i liked the history programs and the military you know net geo and some of those and they've been talking a little bit about this idea of uh uh, of loving uh, the enemy and and even even nazi germany that um Yes, they were an enemy, very, very definitely, or, or Japan in that sense. But after the war, the, you know, a lot of times there were men and women who met people who were on the other side of the battle with them, and uh, you realize that they're just people. I, I was in, uh, I was touring with a music group in the uh, in, in Europe. I was touring with a music group for a number of years with Campus Crusade for Christ. That we were sharing the gospel with college students and so on. Uh, but and and one of the cities we were in we were in Germany, and we had given a concert in a local municipal auditorium and some schools and so on, and we were having lunch one day at a at a Lutheran uh, church in oh, oh in Germany, and uh, there was a, a a Jewish fellow and a German a former German, um, he had been part of a guard or something. And they were at this church together, and they were speaking. And it was one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. This former prisoner and this former guard. And, I mean, it was just stunning to see that they forgave one another. They honored, they respected, they, I I, I mean, it was just, it was mind-boggling and such a powerful uh, experience that the two 
because they had become, both of them had become, uh, come to faith in God and to follow the Lord. And and in that bond, of they found the, the ability to love and forgive and to accept one another. I, I was really just blown away by the testimony of that that transformation at that level in people's lives. Uh, I don't know if it relates. I guess it relates to what we're talking about, oh, loving sure, our well, enemies. Sure. I will tell you a fascinating story. There was a guard. This is a true story. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a German guard at the concentration camps. And afterwards, after the wars, oh, he didn't have to do this. But he decided to convert and become Jewish. And when you do that, you must go in front of a panel. Uh-huh. True story. They ask him, you're a German, you're, you participate in being a guard, you assist in killing many Jews. Uh-huh. Why would you want to convert and become a Jew? And his answer was, because of that, I have assisted in killing so many that I figured the least I could do was give one back. And and guess what? Oh. They accepted the answer and let him come on. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating? It really is. What is the... Um, By the way, before you go any further, I do want to mention something. Sure. You mentioned Lutheran. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't want to be politically incorrect. Oh, don't worry. You uh, talk about Luther as an anti-Semitic and... No, yeah, well, let me tell you what happened this week. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. This week, the Lutherans voted about six to one in their convention to join what's called BDS against Israel. Do you know what that is? Mm, no, this would be one small, one group of Lutherans because well, there are various, well, they say just they're, for accuracy's yeah, sake, I, they don't represent I, I always all hear that explanation. Yeah. That's a wonderful explanation. Uh, the Congregation of the Lutherans is what I'm familiar with. happened this week. <laughs> right. and so BDS means boycott. Divest and sanction Israel. Uh-huh. Boycott means make sure you sell all the stock. You don't buy any products from Israel. Uh, divest, you know, to get rid of all your stock, put no money over there, and sanction. Put all uh, have don't the visit, States. don't do anything that would benefit. Or well, that's all that. And sanction means cut off any kind of aid, any business from America. To uh-huh. it's meant to cripple Israel. Now, so this week the Lutherans made that decision. And what's fascinating, and I keep this actually in my one of my folders in my uh, on my computer, mm-hmm. is that a few couple of years ago, a few years ago, I don't know how three or four maybe, the Presbyterians voted, and they do it too. Mm-hmm. Now what's fascinating in that particular uh, council, their congregation they had once a year, they allowed the Palestinians to come and talk. The Jews requested to come and talk, and they were not allowed to. Mm-hmm. But then Presbyterians have always had that kind of history towards Jews. Anyway, now that's what I said. If somebody wants to call me up, I will be happy to discuss it with oh, you. Of course he will. Three, and, four, zero. <laughs> and 9585. Somebody told me we don't give out the phone number anymore. Three, four, zero, ninety-five, eighty-five, yeah. And... Uh, it is true, and, and don't worry. I'm not. I'm not trying to uh, mitigate what you're saying at all. But the fact is, is there? Uh, we're a very messed up country. We're very divided, and even into our Christian denominations, there are many. There are several Lutheran now groups, and several Presbyterian groups of America. For this, for, because of this very thing, sometimes uh, p- people are very liberal people. Uh, would get up the power of a denomination, and they would move it away from historic faith in the Bible or the historic uh, understanding of the of the gospel, historic uh, understanding of Israel and and, and uh, respect toward Israel, uh, and they'll move it away. From, and then a, 
other Lutherans or other Presbyterians would break away and start their own branch of the Presbyterian, which doesn't reflect that same attitude. But it, it, I, I get it. I'm not worried. I mean, it's, it's a truth. Yeah, but I want to be. I want to. I want to augment what you just said. Yeah. What you're saying may be true, and I certainly would not doubt it. It is. You. Yeah. Well, it is. But I think it's a very small group. And I don't think they're breaking away on this issue. I think they're breaking away for theological issues. And I don't think this issue was enough to make people break away. But those that do break away and form their own little groups, this is not what I'm reading. I'm reading at their major convention, the uh, biggest group. Yeah. Now, what I do not understand, you know, I wish, I wish, I know we don't have time, uh-huh. but if we were actually able to study in detail the book of Isaiah... It actually says that the uh, that uh, in, uh, later on in Isaiah, it says that they will the Jews will be returned to Israel. It actually says about yeah. rebuilding the mm-hmm. temple. So I don't. It, what baffles me, I don't. Talks get, about Cyrus, I believe by uh, well, name. Well, right? that's that, that's an, that's true, true. But I don't I don't get it if that's there. Why is that so rejected? Now, that, to me, from my perspective, looks like a rejection of the Bible. Now, I probably am going to make some Lutherans and some Presbyterians upset. But I swear, I'd be happy to listen to an explanation, but I do not get it. Yeah, I'm not sure it would be forthcoming. I've never really heard, uh, been privy to some of these answers as well. I know that some of our congregations in San Antonio have been, uh, whether they're Presbyterian, Episcopalian, uh, um, Lutheran. Uh, we have fine Methodists. There are some fine, good, Jesus-loving, Bible-loving, God-honoring churches in our city that love the Lord. The people have a sound, fundamental faith and love for the Lord and His okay. Word. Okay, but I get it. Small guys, they carry a good tune hear, and they dress nice. And in the big, and in the big denomination somewhere in Philadelphia or uh, New York yeah, or somewhere, yeah. has some big, yeah, big uh, meeting yeah. to which these people maybe send a representative or two yeah. to go. Yeah. And the, and the whole denomination takes this yeah. incredible turn Absolutely. to the left. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, band, and, uh, but let's be honest, there there. Are Jewish congregations as well who have gone really strong to the left and even some Jewish denominations that seem to be as as contrary to Israel today. I've never met a Jewish congregation that said, let's vote against America. I've never met one. Yeah. But there are Jewish congregations that object. I I want it before the show is over. I do want to say this. I am not in any way. I don't want to be considered. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is I don't want somebody to think I'm saying. I think it's their theology, their beliefs, their religion. They, whether Lutheran, Presbyterians, they have 100% right to have their theology and their beliefs. I will never, ever criticize that. But what I You've don't, shown that I don't understand that is when they go beyond that and choose this political right-wing or left-wing arm, uh-huh. actually, because I don't get that part. Yeah. Well, that's true. Uh, it, I, like, all I'm trying to say is that it, it happens sometimes. It's not a matter of the man in the pews. Often this is the, I the, agree. the, the pulpit, the leadership moving way to the left. And a lot of these denominations don't have... A, a direct, uh, they don't elect their leadership 
from the, the, the pew. A lot of the power of the denomination resides in the presbytery, the presby- in, in the leadership, yeah, the, the overseers. don't drive cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and uh, for the, example, the, Baptists. The Presbyterians. Uh, the Southern Baptists, for example, the power resides in the congregation. Right. They hire and fire their pastor. Okay. In some congregations, they don't hire and fire their pastor. Their pastor is assigned to them by the, and, and you know, they take what they get, you know, and sometimes. I, and I know that the inner workings is probably a little messier than that, but, but all I'm trying to say is that yeah, we're yeah. In a, I know that a, you can't hold uh, the sins of the group and the voting for every person because there are yeah. people that do not subscribe, and I do not criticize and there are the congregations religion. that break away for that. But very I will reason. tell you, when the yeah. Presbyterians took the vote about three, four years ago, I actually called the big Presbyterian church here in town. I and I had gone down there, I'd visited before, uh-huh. and I knew somebody. I said, "Why would you do that?" And they began explaining to me, and I said. You really expect me to accept that? <laughs> and they used to have a rabbi that come down and teach classes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He even got that, that's a slap in the face. He even said, "Well, okay, then maybe I shouldn't come back anymore because you've obviously chose a position against Israel, against uh-huh. the Jews." Uh-huh. And it's fascinating. But I actually called yeah. him, and the, and the woman was trying to explain it to me, and I, I did not get it. But uh-huh. and I I would never criticize the religion, nothing uh-huh. like that. But so I, she was actually trying to explain the decision itself, yes. not explain how they got trapped into being a part no, of the decision. No, she's trying to explain would, the, the, the sound reasoning behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it happens. We're well, a crazy, messed remember, up. Remember, always these be days. the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. All right. Thanks, folks, for joining us. This is the Bible Live. We'll be back here next Sunday evening and discussing uh, the end of Isaiah and going right on into the great prophet. Jeremiah. If you want to go to our website, BibleLive.com, BibleLive.com, you'll be able to uh, read those readings and join with us next Sunday evening to discuss them with us. God bless. Have a great week. To helping restore the Bible to our culture, and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is PO Box eighteen eight eighty eight. That's Box eighteen eight eight eight, San Antonio, Texas seven eight two one eight. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.